Hey, Austin. Hey. Austin. No, sh- shut up. Shut up. Listen. Okay. You know what that is? You know what that noise is? No. That's that's be that's that's thin ice cracking. Cause, oh. Cause you're on it and you're on it. Am you're, I? I'm on thin ice. You're on thin ice. Why am I on thin ice? Because of your little stunt you pulled last week. What was that? On Tuesday, saying, "Oh, actually, I can't record tonight." Well, you're on thin ice. Strike, you figured it out. Strike two. You figured it out. Now, I just how, want you to how know. How many more strikes do I get? I'll be honest. Not many. Okay, give me a number. A couple foul. Fa- you'll get a couple foul balls, and then strike three, you're out. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you know, I I know you think you're safe, uh, because your name your name is in the name of the show, uh, but don't you, I, I could replace you in a heartbeat faster okay. faster than that. Why don't you do it then? That coward. And and hmm? next and I I'm a master of gaslighting and oh, yeah? and before you even knew it the whole audience wouldn't even rem- they they would think the show was never even called Explaining to Austin they'd be like oh yeah it's always been called Explaining to insert name of replacement I have so many screenshots of all of our shit just letting you know that they they you I, think you're that good at gaslighting they'd say it's doctored you it's think fake all right I got timestamps baby the only one who would believe you are losers who believe in the Mandela effect. I think you're the one trying to impose the Mandela effect on people. No, I'm just trying to gaslight them, and okay, girl boss and gatekeep, and gaslight. Yeah, the three commandments. The three G's. The three genders. But I'll let that slide. I just want that was my warning to you. That was my warning. Okay. And you best heed it. I'm. I'll consider it. All right. Anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, sorry, had oh. to take care of a little something there, uh, before we got started, so, uh, hey, well, you know, this time I remembered to turn off my air conditioning that before is good. we recorded. Yes, your mic wasn't connected right away when you joined, and it kind of sounded well, like the inside of an airplane hangar. It was connected to my computer, it but just clean not feed the wasn't using it for right. some reason. Well, this, this site is a piece of shit, <laughs> so. You know, it does, it does what we need. I guess, yeah. I suppose. Um, one of those. One of these days, maybe we'll get a big table and two microphones. That would be so fancy. Uh, like every other podcast. I know we'd be like a professional, hipster Brooklyn-based podcast. Well, you know, uh, within the next couple weeks, I'm gonna be um, switching my living room and the band room. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so because the living room doesn't need as much space as that room has, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And it would make more sense to turn it into like a band room and studio, sure, and um, and um, office space. Uh huh. Instead of having my desk in the guest room, you know. I, I yeah I understand. The the so. the audience the people listening who have never seen the inside of your house. Audience, I'm are gonna be I'm totally gonna be posting lost. pictures of my house. In the show Twitter, yeah. In the show description will be a link to the pictures of Austin's and house. And you can give me your opinions. He'll give you the full floor plan. And mark down where he has everything right now. Yeah. And then and he'll do can... the new floor. He'll have another picture that's the new floor plan and mark down where everything will be. Yeah, and you guys can give me your opinions. And this may or may not happen because I'll, I'm a forgetful bitch. And you can – Shout out to ADHD. You can recreate Austin's house in uh, some sort of you know video game like a, like a Gary's mod. And then you can practice how you're going to uh, – uh, you know, 
siege Austin's house and 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 kill him in the middle of the night when you when you dox and find his uh, when he gets doxed and his address <laughs> is released online. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show, episode. I think this is like twenty two. Uh, so that's fun. That's how old I am, and that's the episode number. Congratulations. I don't know about you, but I bet you're feeling 22. Yeah, well, hey. No, that's a Taylor Swift song. Um, I, I did, well, first off, I'm Peyton, and that's Austin. Oh, hey, and, guys, and I'm Austin. And this is, ex- of course, explaining to Austin. You yeah. mentioned a song that brings up the number 22. Obviously, a mini June, the June, month of June, I did an episode with my friend Emily, another episode in which you left me high and dry. Uh, I did an episode with my friend Emily on the movie The Number 23, and I actually used this song as one of the songs for the break transitions uh, in that episode. But you know a song that has the number 23 featured prominently in it, Austin? Uh, Blink-182's um, um, fucking... Nobody likes you when you're 20. I think it's called What's, what's My it? Name. What's Yeah, what, no, What's My Age Again. Age Again. Uh, that's right. What's My Age Again? And what the hell is ADD? <laughs> so that's actually, I ha, I wanted to bring up, Blink-182 is is related, is kind of the something I wanted to bring up for this beginning segment. Because I had a thought, uh, the, like today, um, or recently, where it's like, um, so... So in terms of like rock slash like punk music slash like pop punk, Blink One Eighty Two, in my opinion, is like the equivalent of those shirts that you would see that like we as children we would see other kids wearing that would be like "We'll trade sister for pizza, video games, no homework." You're fucking right. You know they were like you would find them at like Walmart and stuff, yeah. and they they had like stick figures. They were like they were supposed to look like they were like hand drawn, and they were like, oh, you wear these shirts if you like. You're the you're the you're like a boy who who who's a little rascal. Yeah, you're the kind of boy, like your parents didn't let you buy real fireworks for Fourth of July, but you had sparklers and poppets. Yeah, and you definitely collected Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And, and you played you you you've you'd been playing Call of Duty since you were five. And I'll be honest, I was a little bit like that. I, I wouldn't say you were fully that. No, this, I didn't. This I didn't was have uh, the shirts. You 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 weren't as actively like societally malicious as these children. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Blink One Eighty Two is like the musical equivalent of those, like uh, a shirt that's like um, uh. My uh, the only thing I love more than pizza is recess, video games, and uh, chicken nuggets. <laughs> or my dog ate my homework, uh, so I had to play video games. <laughs> I I hope the audience knows what the kind of shirts we're talking about. They always had like stick figure drawings and stuff on them, and looked like yeah, and like drawings of controllers yeah they're very like kind of crude looking but intentionally so you know one time as a christmas gift i was given a shirt um that said i'm a chef because badass culinary beast isn't an official job title oh boy that was that sounds like one of those um 
those those like algorithm generated shirts yeah. you know what i'm talking it about absolutely that pop, that's like i'm a man who never mess with a man who was born in july and whose wife is a scorpio and who works as an electrician for a living will mess you up yeah no it was literally that it was a gift and you know the thought was nice but i've never worn it oh, you could, maybe you wear you wear it when you you wear you wear a shirt when you sleep or you nude no i sleep pretty full nude Full nude? Full nude. All the way, wow. As God intended. See, I... I, I, I got ro- soft sheets. They're from Purple Mattress, not a sponsor. Then, well, if they're not a sponsor, then don't say the name. Well, I'm going to shout them out because I like them. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I... Stand I, by it. I rock a, I rock a, a shirt and, and some, some, like, you know, just some, like, sweatshorts. Uh, Hell yeah. Do you wear socks? No. See, my feet... Fully nude. Okay, I didn't know. I see. I couldn't because, like, my feet. If my feet get cold, they will remain cold for like a long amount of time. Like, I have a really prob- real hard time with like making my feet warm after they've Are gotten cold. I don't know. My dad has some sort of condition where like the the blood vessels in his like hands uh, restrict when they get cold, so he has a hard time keeping his hands warm. So it might be mm. a similar thing. So I I rock the socks when I'm in bed. Hashtag rock the socks. Hashtag rock the socks. Anyway, I've never, the only, I've only heard, um, What's My Age Again? That's the only Blink-182 song I've ever heard, but I feel like I've heard every single one of their songs because I've heard that. And all their songs are like, hey, 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 I want to have sex with you in California. Or is that Red Hot Chili Peppers? They're kind of the well, same band, was, aren't they? It, no, very different, I'd uh, say. Oh, okay. Um, I like Blink-182. I think they were, like, they were, they're for their time. You know I like I mean? jacking like, off in my room because like, I am Blink-182. That's a song, I, right? I don't know if this is an ignorant take, but I really feel like they kind of pioneered pop punk in a way and, like, let like paved the way for a lot of other bands and a, and a style. Sure, and of course, and they did it more genuinely than a lot of other pop punk bands, in my opinion. Yeah, and of of course, pop punk it took the worst parts of punk and the worst parts of pop, and it put them together. Well, I don't fully agree with that. Well, I, but, you know, we can have different opinions. Uh, like I really like Reliant K. I will listen to Reliant K all night long. I love that shit. Never like, heard say, of him. Is it like Special K cereal? Sure. You ever had that? Yeah. Not bad. Uh, uh, I guess, yeah. So blink eighty two songs are about, like, having sex and jacking off, right? And then Red Hot Chili yeah, Peppers songs are about California about and smoking weed. I mean, What's My Age Again is kind of the opposite of what you just said. Like, um, like, it, it's almost, because he's, like, um, like, the first verse of the song, he's, like, hooking up with a girl and then, like, uh, she takes her pants off and then he like gets bored and decides to watch TV <laughs> and like, he's like, nobody likes you when you're 23 kind of thing. Like he's feels like he's getting old I because he's like got less interest in like the fun party shit. Huh? I mean, if, if, if a girl takes off her pants and you're like, no, I want to watch TV. I'm pretty sure you might just not be into women sexually. Or you're just like, yeah, you, know, you could have ADHD where you like get distracted from sex easily. Is That's that a, thing. is that a thing? That is, yeah. Um, it's actually very common for people with ADHD to like um, lose interest, in, like in the middle of sex, because it's like repetitive. Your ADHD and, like, is so bad it makes you gay. 
No, it's any sex. It makes you asexual. Oh no, I lost Austin. His ADHD kicked in, and now he's doing something else, and I lost him. Uh, you cut out completely, so you're going to oh, have to run that back. It's not that you aren't interested in having sex with people. It's that you lose motivation to do it. Okay. Yeah. I just don't see how that, I mean, like. Look, as someone with ADHD, it happens more frequently than I'm like happy you're, about. You're, 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 you're Bonnie literally, like, on its own, just. Uh-huh. Like a cartoon, like a flower wilting in a cartoon. Yeah, it's actually very annoying. Huh. Well, that's unfortunate. Maybe you should get on that Cialis or Viagra. Oh, I did. We need to get a sponsorship. That shit from... is magical, I'll be honest. We need to get a sponsorship from <laughs> one of those, um, one of those, like, like Blue Chew. Yeah, like Roman. Blue Chew. Yeah, we need one of those sponsorships. So, yeah. we can, we can help, we can help our boy Austin. Well, see, I come. have a prescription. Yeah, but maybe we can but get it for free from them, so then you don't have to pay cool. for the thing. I'm looking up the lyrics to watch my age again. I'm looking up how I'm looking up how to get a sponsorship with Blue Chew. I think we have to be a part of a network first. Does it taste good, do you think? I don't know, it probably tastes chalky. Oh. I thought it would be chewy like a like a like a like a high chew. I don't think so. Maybe it is. Or I guess it might be chalky, more chalky like a like a Tums. Yeah, so okay, the core so he says, um uh, we started making out and then she took off my pants, but then I turned on the TV and that's about the time she walked away from me. Nobody likes you when you're twenty three and you're still more aroused by TV shows. What the hell is ADD? My friends say I should act my age. What's my age again? Okay. So I think he's literally just talking about having ADD and like Sure. <laughs> getting distracted easily. Okay. That's hilarious. Anyway. So, well, that's Blink-182. You know, um, I'm a Ska fan, obviously. Big time Ska fan. Uh-huh. But I heard someone describe Ska as the music that plays in a 12-year-old's head when they get more mozzarella sticks. That's prob- that's and, accurate to me. And I'd say, yeah, for third wave Ska, absolutely accurate. And I love that. It's, 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 the, it's the music in the background of, a, of an advertisement when the kids get the, the pizza rolls. Yeah, no, absolutely it is. Whoa, Jimmy's mom got pizza rolls. All right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's accurate. And I love Scott, but yeah. Pretty. No, I definitely accurate. Well, I'm glad we could sort all of that out. Yeah, I'm glad we got to the bottom of Important. All the small things, true care, truth all right well on to this week's topic for the episode uh austin i i texted you the name of this movie i watched last night this morning and you Uh immediately sounded interested based on title alone (laughs) so how, how about you relay the title oh i'll do more than relay it i'll read it okay Sure. At nine thirty one in the morning, Peyton texted me. Yep. Tonight's movie is Deathbed Colon The Bed That Eats. Yep, that's today's and I'm, movie. I'll be excited I I I'll be honest, my main excitement was the fact that we were doing a movie with a colon in the title. Sure. I love, just lo- love a good colon. 
in the title. I love, I love a colon in the title. Love a subtitle. Same. That's a, the part of the official title. Especially the fact that it's. The second part of the title is basically the first part of the title, but backwards. Sure. Deathbed, the bed that eats. Yeah. Like it's. It, it switches. feels like it's saying the same thing twice. It's. It would be even better if it was deathbed, the bed that causes death. Yeah, or the bed that kills. The bed that kills. Yeah, literally the exact same thing. Back. That's what I'm saying. Deathbed colon bed kill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, that's the movie, and I'll get in. I'll, I'll ask you questions in a second, but right off the bat, I feel to me. So I will, you know, just. I'll I'll give this much away. It is a movie about a bed that you know, in other words, consumes people. You know, killed and, and consumes. Uh, but to me, the title it kind of irks me because it feels incomplete in my head. Every time I read it, I feel like it should say "deathbed colon the bed that eats people." Oh yeah, because no, to me, it's it's like fair. it's like deathbed the bed that eats. And that's it. It's like someone. It's like they stopped right at the end. They didn't finish the last word. Um. I. There's a fucking bit in Letterkenny. That in an episode that we watched, right? You and I. That was like, um. Uh. uh you you'll never find love when you go looking for it. It's when you're not. It's when you're not looking. Right. And then that's the end of the phrase that they all say. And, like, people get very frustrated because they're like, we'll say the rest of it. And they're like, what do you mean? Sure, that's the end of it. And Deathbed kind of feels that way to me. Yeah. No, I, feel I feel like that. it needs people at the end. So that's just a thought right off the bat I wanted to address. It's still a very catching and and uh, enticing title, though, I, I'll admit. Regardless yeah, of absolutely. its incomplete feeling that I have about it. Um, so what, you know, obviously I just told you a small amount of information about the movie and revealing that it's a bed that eats people, but I felt like the title was kind of revealing of that. So what other, what do you think about this movie? What do you want to know? What do you think might happen? Okay. So I have to imagine it's going to start off innocently with someone like sleeping in the bed and it eats them. And then that's where it's going to kick off. Right? Like, I don't think this bed's going to like move around and if it moves around i'll be excited but also a little disappointed mm-hmm. like so can this can this bed walk uh no or does it just wait for its victims to lay in it yeah i mean for the most part i mean it 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 is able to do things that like influence and like you know kind of aid it in 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 bringing its victims to it but it cannot like physically move itself really Okay, okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, now, was this bed made by humans? Uh, well, I'll get into it, obviously, with the plot. But Ooh. let me say this. Never in my life did I expect a movie about a bed that eats people to have such complex fucking lore. No shit, huh? <laughs> yeah, this movie goes into detail about the the mythology and and magic behind this fucking bed that eats people now that makes me excited so so buckle up this is like this is like 
Tolkien was contracted to write a B movie script. Oh, oh, you're just you're just I'm gonna cream my chinos. Oh. Um now I always hear people talk about famous people giving quotes on their deathbed, right? Sure. Is this that same bed that they all died on? Uh unconfirmed possibly. Okay. Uh, but yeah, unconfirmed, but possibly. Because I Who guess knows? my theory is that if all of these famous people had the same had died on this bed that's called the deathbed, yeah, um, then their souls are all controlling this bed, which leads it to eat people. Well, that's not what happens in the movie, but it. I mean, in in life, in actual life, you know, maybe. What if there's a bed, and when someone's dying, they they this bed is uh is transported to this person's location. And and then the person has got made to get in the bed. And That's it, what I'm saying. Everyone is the it's the deathbed. It's not your deathbed or a deathbed or their deathbed. It's, and there has to be at least like five, maybe, or one, and they just move it really quickly. Ooh, they got like an Iron Man suit that can move it really quickly. Yeah, there's jets on the bottom. Nice. It's remote controlled. Where does this movie take place? Uh, I mean, it's unspecified in the movie, but it was shot primarily kind of like outside in outside on like the outs rural outskirts of detroit nice in the 70s 70s okay that answers that question um how many deaths does it cause how many people does it eat uh i mean less than 10 more than 10 uh i'm hold on i'm trying to think uh Probably on screen, probably right at or around 10 off the okay. top of my head, but it, it, it is hinted at that that is just what we are shown and that mm. it has eaten many more. Okay, I love that. Mm -hmm. And my last question, and I don't know if you're going to get this one, but I know that there's another kind of B-horror movie about a tire yes rubber that kills rubber yeah yes i get similar vibes just from what i know about it is that fair i i think it could be reasonably argued i haven't seen rubber but like i know the director's work because he's also a musician and i've listened to his music um and so i get i know his like general sense of humor and vibe and i th i'm not sure but i wouldn't be surprised if he didn't take some inspiration from this okay okay so i mean i don't know for certain but i could certainly understand and and completely see if it was at least partially uh inspired by deathbed word so yeah so so rubber came out after deathbed yeah rubber came out in like 2009 or something no shit i thought it was like an 80s or something. no rubber is very recent i don't know why i thought that uh, so you want to hear some, some deathbed facts? Austin? Yeah, why don't you tell me some facts about it? All right, well, um, so like I said, it's 70, specifically 77 is when it was made. Um, nice. Written, produced, and directed by a man named George Barry in his only feature film. This is his only feature film. So he did this one. He was like, that's good. Well, I'll go into the details in a minute, but it, he kind of, with this one, it was sort of, uh, 
kind of a dead end for him, and so it makes sense that he kind of moved on and, and from film, so to speak. But I'll sit, talk about that in a second. Um, I guess I can go ahead and talk about that now. But uh, basically, so he made this in 77 um, in kind of on like a, uh, I think it was around this kind of like estate kind of that was in disrepair, I think, on the outskirts of Detroit. Um, so 77. And after he made it, he tried to get theatrical release for it. Uh, okay. but couldn't find any distributors. Um, then he found a um, distributor from L.A. who wanted to release the film on VHS in the United Kingdom. Um, and so... So the U.K. just likes movies about bad city people, apparently. I, I, guess, he, I guess the distributor just thought it would uh, work in England. I don't know. Okay. Uh, however, the distributor only wanted to pay... Barry, um, like, uh, $1,000 for basically, mm. like, you know, that's all he wanted to pay him to, to do the, uh, thing. And so, uh, however, um, you know, for that, um, the guy said, I guess, um, I don't know if, like, it was a flat 1000 or, like, a 1000 and then, you know, like, part of the revenue it gained from the VHS release. I don't know. However, what he, the caveat that the distributor required was um, he had only seen kind of like the, the rough cut of the film and he wanted like a finalized version specifically with um, like completed with credits. However, Barry um, at the time unable to afford credits, the, which cost around $3,000 at the time. Cause obviously, oh you know, pre-computers. So it was all, you know, physical um, oh God, physically yeah, made yeah. And, and, and edited onto the film. Um, and so he couldn't afford that, so it kind of deal fell through. Um, I wanted to mention it said on IMDb he spent, originally the budget was around $10,000, but it ended up kind of becoming 30000 by the time it was done. So I definitely think Barry was already kind of in deep um, financially with the film. So it makes sense that he couldn't afford, you know, something like adding credits. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so he couldn't afford the credits, so this deal to release it on VHS in the UK fell through. However, um, a, apparently, a, um, a quote, according to Wikipedia, Portland, an obscure British uh, video label, released a pirated VHS uh, version of this film in the UK, except and without Barry's knowledge, and so. Hmm. From that pirated copy, it eventually spread to uh, New Zealand, Australia, and Spain, the Spanish version being dubbed into Spanish, um, nice. which apparently is now a quite rare uh, version of the movie to find. So, it, you know, it kind of got all this pirated through like piracy. It got all of these releases. However, Barry, um, he, he had no clue. Um, George Barry had no clue that it had ever even seen the light of day. Um, you know, through these pirate copies. And so he didn't really find out that his film was out there and that people had seen it until 2001, um, when through basically the internet, he found out, he found out, um, you know, that his film was out there and kind of like a, a kind of underground B-movie, you know, hit. Mm-hmm. And so finally, an official copy of the film was finally released on DVD in 2003, um, later on in 2013, a Blu-ray came out. 
Um, and so <laughs> made in 77, but the f- official ver- version never came out until 2003. Um, Jesus. But obviously those pirate pirated copies had uh, been going around, but obviously they were the film kind of in a somewhat incomplete state because when it was finally released, he added in, you know, new music on the opening and credits and added in the actual credits and all that. So as well as all that, it's kind of, you know, like I said, it's kind of underground cult hit of being, you know, kind of a so bad it's good type movie and uh, kind of just, you know, one of those type movies. Oh, wait, it literally says here. Hold on. I just saw this. Um, let's see. Oh, this is just it. So on the Wikipedia on, under reception, it has ain't it cool news like the film calling it a nightmarish dream exist- existence. Um, and compared the film's oddness to Quentin uh, Dupuy's Rubber. So, yo, damn, I'm good. So at least someone else had that thought. So you're not alone. Um, also, fun fact: uh, this movie was men- mentioned in 2007 on one of uh, kind of one of Patton Oswalt's um, comedy uh, albums he released. Um, you know, stand-up albums. And it kind of got some added popularity from that as well. Nice. Because uh, he did a riff on it. So that's kind of the background on it in terms, you know, George Barry, like I said, only thing he directed, which makes sense because, you know, he tried to sell it in the 70s after making it. Nothing came of it. So I'm assuming he just moved on with his life. Um, in terms of cast, no one really of note. Um, pretty much, you know, most, most of the people barely ever worked again and if they did it was very minor you know like tv bit parts and stuff except i'll say this in the role of the artist which we'll we'll get to in the movie not the voice which you know you hear this guy's voiceover in the movie but you never actually see him talk which you'll understand when i explain the movie but in the physical role of the artist is a guy named dave marsh who was from the detroit area originally he was an American uh, music critic and writer, um, specifically known for being an early editor of the magazine Cream, uh, and that's Cream spelled with two E's, uh, which was okay. a very influential um, music and rock magazine kind of from the 60s till the 80s. Um, oh, word. Okay. If you've seen the movie, I don't know if you've seen it, but if anyone in the audience seen it, uh, the movie um, Almost Famous – um, about the kid who goes on tour with a with a rock group, uh, the actual story that that film's based off of Cream in that movie as well includes Cream and in, in it, and that's who the kid is writing for. So it's a uh, it's a um, substantial music magazine. And Dave Marsh, you know, this doing this movie is just a very very small thing on his career because you know he's a very renowned and successful you know kind of music writer um, and music critic. Um, he's also, and kind of nowadays, famous because he's on the committee for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and so I'm assuming that you know he he's part of who who votes on who is inducted and whatnot. Um, and also, fun note, it is um, he is credited with coining the term punk rock. Um, oh, really? From a 1971 article that he wrote. Um, so that's interesting. Um, so, I've always wondered about where that came from, and I haven't looked into it ever. 
Yes, it, it says it's a uh, came from a seventy one article he wrote about Question Mark and the Mysterians, which is an American garage rock band uh, from Michigan. So apparently that's where he coined the term. Um, and nowadays, oh, wow. like I said, works for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and is also has some host radio shows on Sirius XM, various channels. He also kind of known for being a, a bit of a grumpy hard ass when it comes to bands. Like he uh, wrote that uh, Led Zeppelin had an insurmountable flaw in drummer John Bonham, who's like obviously considered one of the greatest you know drummers of all time, uh, and, and called him something like clinically incompetent. Uh, oh he God. also described Queen as um queen may be the first truly fascist rock band i wonder why anyone would indulge these creeps and their polluting ideas and he called <laughs> freddie mercury uh quote a passable pop voice um wow uh so he called oh in 89 he called the grateful dead uh the worst band in creation <laughs> yeah i agree with that one so he's got some he's got some hot takes uh so to speak so yeah, that's really <laughs> pretty much the uh, the main uh, behind the scenes info on Deathbed that's uh, that, that caught my eye. That's um that's wild. I I have no clue how they ha- got Dave Marsh because you know by this late seventies when they made this, he was probably already like you know successful in his career uh, of of music writing. So I don't know how he wound up in being in this movie, and I wasn't really able to find out. But yeah, so that's Deathbed. Uh, famously underground unreleased movie that was eventually released and how a bit of its background well I can't wait to fucking hear how this shit goes well why not get into it then I'll say This is uh, Deathbed, the bed that eats. So we start out over black. We hear some lovely, nice, uh, crunching, eating noises. Uh, kind of like the, the noise, someone eating an apple over black, very loud, right in your ear. So definitely either going to be horribly annoying and, and, and discomforting to some people. And maybe very relaxing, like ASMR to some. Depends. Some people really like the noise of eating, and some hate it, obviously. Well, I've got misophonia, so I prefer not to hear it. So it's just a lot of... <laughs> yep, no, that's all right. You so, can quit. Uh, we then get a title card, quote, that you know, the breakfast uh, title card. It just says breakfast. Okay. And we see it. It's an old mansion, you know, kind of overgrown, abandoned. Um, in disrepair, and except down in the cellar, kind of underneath the mansion, there's a lit fireplace and this large bed uh, that you know has sheets and is made up and looks very nice and ready to be used. Seemingly, just you know, in this room with a fire going by itself in this abandoned uh, estate. 
Um, and so we learn and are guided by a narrator who we learn is a man imprisoned in limbo behind a painting of the bed, which sits on the wall um, over in the corner near the bed, uh, and that he's been trapped in this limbo, uh, in this painting by the bed, for 60 years, and, oh. he, and, he, and he kind of sarcastically quips as, the, as we hear a snoring in the background that most of his time has been sat there listening to the bed snore when it's asleep. And so then we get, um, we get a couple who uh, open the gate to the, to the estate and kind of walk in, and they kind of uh, awaken the bed who senses their, pr their presence on the ground. And uh, I wanted to mention it very clearly, it's supposed to be night in these shots, but it's very clear they shot day for night because the sky is way too bright for it to be nighttime. <laughs> They've definitely just changed the, uh, changed, changed it in editing. editing. Um, anyway, so uh, the, the girl's kind of afraid and doesn't want to uh, go into the mansion and the estate. And the guy's like, you know, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. You know, it'll be fine. No one's, you know, no one's been around here forever. You know, it's, it will be fine. Uh, however, when they go to the doors, they try multiple different doors to get in. And they're all locked. And we see them kind of magically being locked, uh, you know, without being touched. Um, and basically, you know, we're, we realize that it's the bed. The bed kind of has con control over this estate and is able to, you know, do things magically. Um, and so the bed is locking all these doors so they can't get into the, the mansion, um, which Smart leads, bed. yeah, which leads them. Obviously the only room that's open is this old wooden cellar door that leads to the room with the bed in it. Um, I wanted to mention that it definitely is very clear. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe they, maybe this, maybe this was a real room that they actually shot, um, in and on. But to me, the room the bed in really looks like a shitty like kind of stage uh slash studio area that they've like just cheap set. yeah that they've just dressed up to like i mean it has like the like black floors and kind of like random like supporting posts of like a, of like a part of a theater or something yeah, yeah. like a community theater and the walls that are supposed to be like brick you know cobblestone or brick walls or whatever they look very much like you know like a like a uh, like a flat you know put up against the wall to make mm -hmm. it look like that i could be wrong but it really to me looks like a shitty kind of like set uh, which would make sense cuz obviously that would be cheaper than actually finding a room in the the mansion to shoot um Anyway, they, they go into this room, uh, and immediately, like, the guy's over. He's like, oh, cool, a bed. And they go over to the bed, and he, like, you know, starts kissing the girl, and he basically wants to, wants to fuck immediately. But the girl says, oh, no, I'm hungry. Can we, can we get out the food first? And so out of uh, the bag, that, a bag they brought, uh, the guy removes uh, one of the strangest meal combinations uh, of items that I've seen recently. Cod liver oil and orange juice. No, but close. It's uh, two apples, okay. uh, a bottle of wine, okay, and uh, a bucket of fried chicken. Oh, that sounds very romantic. It's just a very strange uh, grouping of, of food items. I respect it. You know, classic pairing of wine and fried chicken. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, uh, red wine, in fact. Oh, red wine? Yeah, no, yeah. that's weird. Yeah, yeah, red wine. I would do a nice Riesling with red, the fried chicken. Red wine, two apples, and, and, a, and a bucket of nondescript brand fried chicken. No, uh, I would I would drink red wine and apples together. Like, that's a fair pairing. But it's all three being paired together. That's, that's so the strange. problem. Anyway, the, the door to this cellar seems to magically close and lock on its own. Spooky. Woo. Uh, the couple starts uh, sucking face on the bed. Sucking face. And while they're sucking each other's face on the bed, they, they're, they're unaware to the fact that suddenly on the bed, one of the apples, uh, the bed, you know, gurgling noise begins, and there's like <laughs> foam foaming up out of the bed. And as this foam kind of seems to rise up out of the bed, the apple sinks into the bed. <gasps> um, and then... We get a we get a shot and we'll get we'll get this shot um, fairly often of you know kind of I, hypothetically I guess it's the inside of the bed or the inside of the bed stomach which basically I'm assuming they shot these shots by uh, it's like yellow tint I think it's I think it's like ye- they shoot they're shooting the camera uh, like through yellow tinted glass or a yellow tinted lens and then it's a obviously like some kind of jar of or you know tank of i'm assuming some sort of you know acid like substance like an acetone um that they're dropping like the apple into and they're going to be dropping various things into so that it you know bubbles and and starts eating away at the at the items to kind of Mm -hmm. represent the bed digesting whatever and so you know we get the apple sinking down into this you know supposed yellow digested digested you know liquid um, and then it raises back out of the bed, and now it's just, you know, the core and the stem, basically. Okay. Um, and then, obviously, the wine and the chicken follow. You know, the wine uncorks while in the, in the, in the fluid, and all of the wine drains out as if it's being drank. And the chicken, we see, you know, the skin and the, the meat of the chicken, you know, come off and dissolve. And then the chicken bones raise back up, uh, <laughs> and the empty wine bottle raises back up. The, the couple, um, you know, they, they stop kissing for a second because the girl says she's hungry again. So they reach for the food, and the guy is, uh, is confused to find uh, inside the bucket, you know, eaten just raw, bare chicken bones and uh, empty wine bottle. Uh, however, he, he, he doesn't seem worried. He's just kind of like, oh, huh, I guess I grabbed the wrong stuff. I don't know, whatever. And they go back to, uh, to making out. Uh, he takes off the girl's shirt, and uh, this actress had, had a nice, large pair of boobs, uh, quite a big boobs. Some lady, huh? quite, quite, quite buxom, well endowed, so to speak. Uh, and suddenly, as they're as they're making out, you know, all caught up in each other, uh, the curtains, because it is a bed with a, uh, what do you call it? The um, a canopy bed. Yes, it's a canopy bed with like a wooden wooden posts and a and a top with curtains, you know, attached to the posts. So the the curtains of the canopy slowly untie and and close on the bed, uh, closing the couple inside. And once all of the curtains are closed, all of a sudden we hear screaming, and a bloody arm kind of hangs off of the bed, blood dripping off of the arm. And we get the title card, Deathbed, The Bed That Eats. And we go back to this guy trapped in the painting in the room. And, and it's displayed visually, um, so it's like the painting on the wall, but then we get this perspective sometimes of the guy trapped inside the painting, which is literally like 
like they built a little kind of like air duct room almost mm-hmm. uh, behind the painting. And then they have like a version of the painting that's just the black lines and it's transparent. Um, so he's like looking out through the painting and you actually see him kind of in this little crawl space supposedly trapped behind the painting in limbo. Um, anyway, we get his, we get a voiceover from him and he's kind of talking about, you know, how he, he's kind of our interpreter for the bed's, uh, the bed's thoughts almost, um, kind of relaying to the audience, you know, the bed since it, since it doesn't speak. And he's talking about how the bed, uh, is dreaming of how it wishes it had, had gone to the city so that it could eat way more people. And we get footage of, uh, like old timey, early 1900s stock footage, of like, uh, you know, like a city and, you know, newspapers like, you know, hundreds of people disappear, you know, mayor vows to figure out disappearance, mayor disappears. And so, you know, it's the bed dreaming about, oh man, I wish I was in the city because then I could get away with and get away with eating all these people, basically. So I do have a question already. Sure. The bed doesn't have teeth? No, the items literally just sink into the bed. They sink. Oh. You see the you see the foam and the items kind of just like slowly. Dis- they I'm assuming they shot it where the items weren't actually on the bed, and then they kind of could just like pull them down slowly so that it looked yeah, like yeah. For, via perspective. Um, and then it'll cut after the items have you know seemingly sunk into the bed. It cuts, and then you see the the footage of this digestive uh, acid or whatever as the things right, are dissolving. Right. So no, no teeth. It's not like the uh, the the if I could make a reference that you'll remember the the piano and house yeah that eats the girl yeah yeah I was hoping for that though no not it's oh, well. it's 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 more subtle I guess um, so we got title card bed wishing it was in the city um, but basically uh, the bed is kind of its own worst enemy because it's in this estate where it has basically, you know, eaten all of the owners over the years that it has caused people to end up avoiding the mansion because all these people have gone disappeared or dead in the mansion. Um, So, you know, the bed's kind of created its own problem. Uh, And so there's no food because now the bed's kind of just stuck in this empty, abandoned estate, and he's angry. And um, so then we get the, uh, the second title card, uh lunch so you know you kind of catch on they did breakfast and now we're into lunch um and so a uh a car pulls up into the state past the gate and they park um and via voiceover it, we're told that it is a friend of a realtor who the realtor is allowing her and her friends to stay and uh sp- spend the night at the estate that weekend and so the three people getting out of the car, we have a, uh, a black lady, and that's Diane. Uh, we have a, a, a very skinny white girl with very long hair and flip-flops, kind of like a hippie sort of, almost not even a hippie, more like, you know, like heroin addict look type girl. That's uh, Sharon. And then uh, a preppy girl, kind of in nice clothes. Uh, that's Susan. And immediately uh, we switch to Susan's voiceover, and Susan's already concerned. She feels like she shouldn't have come on this trip because she only knows Diane through work, um, and and she doesn't really feel comfortable. Uh, she should have. She wishes she would have stayed home. Um, 
So they immediately kind of start searching the grounds because I guess the place they had to park is like a ways away from the, the house. So they're trying to get to the house. And while they're searching, Diane and Sharon find an old cemetery on the, uh, on the edge of a small pond. Um, and then they eventually find the house. Um, and um, there's, for some reason, it is explained later, but we just get this random shot of, like, in the cemetery it cuts. And it's, like, the perspective, side perspective of, like, one of the coffins underground. And it's, like, a completely not decomposed girl just like in one of the coffins um and so we'll come back to that in a bit that kind of goes okay. in with all the ridiculous lore we'll get into um and so uh they find the house and basically they end up you know like the people in the first segment the only door they're able to get in is the one into the cellar with the bed um and so the i wanted to write this is the moment that i realized okay this bed the deathbed it is incredibly thin like the it's a it's a canopy bed and it's raised off the ground but like the bed does not touch the ground it is the thinnest piece of like the i don't even like know the mattress is tiny yeah like i don't even know how like the mattress it, it looks like they're almost would just be sleeping on the wood of like the 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 board of the bed like oh i don't know how there's a there's definitely not any sort of box spring that's out of the question. And if there is a mattress, it is the thinnest shit mattress because, like, for, for a bed that supposedly is able to, like, you know, pull things into it and then it has, like, a digestive system, I don't know where that is because it's, like, the thinnest looking bed. It is so thin. It, oh, yeah. I'm looking it, at a picture now. Yeah, it doesn't even touch the floor. It's, like, it's like there's, like, space for, like, you know, to, like, two people stacked on top of each other to lay under the bed. Yeah, like, there's, it looks like the, the, um, the thickness of the mattress and the frame that it's on is no more than 10 inches. Yeah, it is incredibly thin, which leads, you know, obviously I, that, that leads, that, I feel like adds some, some weight to my theory that they shot all the bed stuff in this room on some shitty stage and that this bed was like a prop they built out of like plywood yeah, it's not a bed. Yeah, like, I don't know a bed that would ever be that thin, even, like, an old-timey bed. Um, anyway, so, thin-ass bed. Um, uh, where was I? So, yeah, the bed's really thin, and immediately once they're in the room, the, uh, the, the druggy-looking hippie girl is, like, you know, kind of, like, sitting on the bed, and the bed is immediately reacting negatively to it, uh, as, as told to us by the, uh, the painting uh, guy trapped in the painting uh, who's like, wow, you really don't like her. She's, she's hurting you. She's causing you to bleed. And we see the, uh, the perspective again from the inside where, you know, the bed's uh, digestive fluid. And it's just like, there's kind of like red misty blood kind of just like <laughs> coming, you know, misting. And, to take a pet to yeah. It's just like misting inside his digestive fluid. So for some reason, this girl is, um, is causing that to happen and and i'll be honest my first instinct was oh are they going to do something where it's like oh she's on heroin she's a drug addict and the bed trying to uh you know if she's on the bed you know and the bed is trying to eat her then it's like hurting the bed because it's like you know eating something yeah, bad yeah. uh we'll come back to whether or not that's true in a bit so the bed immediately is reacting negative to that girl um and so 
and the bed the, the painting guy is like i've never seen you so frightened before so obviously the bed has issues with 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 sharon the one hippie looking girl um and so while while diane and sharon start doing other things um you know they're like oh great we can all share this bed it'll be much better than sleeping on the floor um and we can definitely all fit susan the preppy girl who kind of feels like she shouldn't be there is like oh actually um i'll just sleep on the floor it's all right i don't want to don't want to make it too crowded diane says no of course we'll share um excuse me sharon says that uh okay but uh you know what i'll just go ahead and sleep and use the bed now i'm a night person i don't really sleep well at night i'll just stay up by the fire at night and make sure it keeps going and, and read or something so you guys go do some stuff and i'm gonna just go ahead and get some sleep now so diane's kind of weird but weirded out but she's like all right sure um and so uh sharon be or not sharon susan begins getting ready for bed while diane and sharon go outside and so um susan is uh ready for bed and immediately as she's like you know getting into her like nightgown or whatever and you know pulling back the covers of the bed we get like this uh overlaid like sound effect i guess of like the bed's internal like noises and he sounds very horny for food he's very like like it's like panting almost sexual uh <laughs> but i you know i guess he's just really hungry uh so sharon uh at the um the hippie girl outside with Diane mentions something. She she's like, "What do you what do you think if uh, if someone comes looking for me?" And Diane's like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll I'll fend them off." Uh, which we then cut immediately to a guy we've never seen before and an old lady talking to him. And we she's like, "Go you you go get your sister now. You bring her back home." And the brother's like, "Oh, she's run away so many times. I don't want to." You know, she's the world's oldest runaway or something like that. So basically we get that, oh, this is Sharon's brother. And for some reason, Sharon has run off and, and, and now he has to bring her back. So that seems to be a, a subplot as well that we'll come back in a bit. Meanwhile, in the room, uh, Susan is um, in the bed. She's asleep and the bed is causing her to have a nightmare. And she's having a nightmare about being served a plate of, uh, of bugs she has to eat bugs and, and goo and slime on this plate. Uh, and <laughs> I guess... We've all had dreams like that. Yeah, you're getting served a plate of bugs and vomit. Um, and so she, then she wakes up, but it's too late. She's already sinking into the bed, and she sinks into the bed and is eaten. And even the nice flowers that she brought along that she had laid on the bed, the bed also uh, collects and dissolves into it. Um... Oh, actually, even funnier. Uh, she, before she's like fully pulled into the bed, the bed, uh, the bed kind of like sucks her clothes off of her, so she's laying naked on the bed. <laughs> and then, the then her cross necklace, which has like fallen, like the cross part has fallen onto the bed. The bed sucks like that part of the necklace in, and then it uses like the part of the necklace it sucked into its like digestive area to then like saw her neck back and forth you know what i mean like dragging yeah, the train oh back God. and forth and you don't ever i was a bit disappointed because i wanted to see her like fully decapitated but it's more just like implied that it like slits her throat and then it, then she fully sinks into the bed um and and once she once she sinks into the um 
the bed's digestive fluid, there's kind of like, I can't remember if it's a fade to this or it cuts to something else. And when it cuts back, it's this, but it cuts back. And, um, in the, in the dissolving liquid, it's like Susan's already dissolved because it's, it's literally a skeleton, like a skull and with, with hay, with her hair on it. (laughs) So she's like already completely dissolved. It's a skull with hair, um, inside the bed stomach. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like her skeleton is teleported by the bed from um inside of its digestive system now that it's eaten all the eaten all the meat so to speak off it's teleported outside buried underground so i guess the bed really has kind of like you know telekinetic control and powers over the whole property um meanwhile uh we cut back sharon's brother um is at like a payphone and we never are told who he's talking to, but someone he he's talking to someone who is who is basically informing him, you know, oh they're at the estate and that's here's how you get there. Uh, so he heads on his way at, towards the mansion. Um, it's back at the mansion. Uh, Diane and Sharon have decided it's lunchtime and they're gonna have a picnic outside. They go into the room to find Susan to see if she wants to eat, but obviously uh, she's not there. Little do they know the ground outside that they're walking over. She's her skeleton is buried underneath. Um, uh, but, you know, they're like, I guess she, I don't know, I guess she walked off or, you know, decided to do something else. Uh, if she wants to eat, she'll, you know, come back and find us. Uh, so they sit there very strangely having a picnic, but one of the Id- items they have on their picnic is a full glass jar of full-sized pickles. <laughs> Like, not sliced? No, yeah, like, a full pickle, and Sharon is literally, like, pulls a full pickle out of the jar and is just eating it. Which, like, I love pickles, I get it, but, like, it's kind of mm. it's kind of weird that you brought a full jar with you uh, among your food items. Like, I guess they really like pickles. It definitely, like, the, I don't think the director of this movie has ever been on a picnic. I He seems to have a very strange idea of food items that people eat, you know, with it. It's like, yeah, like, wine, fried chicken, and apples, and now outside of this picnic, they're having, like, I think it was, like, you know, wine, some cheese, and then full pickle. Uh, so, meanwhile, back in the, uh, in the room, a little funny thing, uh, when they went back in to check to see where Susan was, Sharon touched the bed again, which, you know, upset the bed. And so, the bed, we see the bed, like, sucking in, uh, Susan's suitcase, of, from which it pulls out a bottle of Pepto-Bismol, and then, like, in the digestive fluid, like, unscrews the cap, and then, like, pours the Pepto-Bismol into itself. So, so the bed drinks some Pepto-Bismol, um, to stop the discomfort. Um, and then we, via the, uh, the, the painting guy, he kind of does a voiceover of, um, he's wondering why Sharon is causing the bed to, uh, to feel so bad. And so he's kind of like, you know, kind of talking to the bed almost, uh, asking, I wonder why, is it something to do with one of your past victims? And we kind of get a, um, via he the the painting guy I guess by the bed is given all of these rings and trinkets that that he does that were taken off of the, his victims and so the uh, the painting guy is reminiscing and we see a montage of different victims like a priest who was laying in the bed uh, reading the Bible and he was sucked into the bed and one of the ring one of his ring his like you know cro- his uh, 
his Catholic ring or whatever was was sucked off and given to the painting guy. There's a there's an old lady we cut and there's an old lady laying in the bed and she like looks around to make sure no one's watching and then she picks up like a like a magazine that's called like like date like lesbian action or like some like old timey like 1950s lesbian publication (laughs) um and then she's sucked into the bed oh good there's a like a a servant girl with like a brace uh like a metal brace for her leg i guess she has some sort of walking condition uh she's sucked into the bed then we get this weird extended segment where like apparently the bed so all of these so far were the bed inside the mansion so you know at some point it was inside the mansion not in the cellar but i guess at some point uh we get this month we get this clip of apparently the the estate was used by some sort of like scam artist like sex doctor guy who was like holding like seminars at the state of like helping people become not impotent anymore uh uh going going back to the to a topic we covered at the top of the show (laughs) uh anyway so like and to like help with that he was like oh we'll move the bed outside and and say that it has magic like sun energy so basically he like moved the bed outside to like help like sell the scam about the bed or something um and so uh like I guess that that led to the bed being outside, and then from there, like uh, it ended up back in the cellar. I guess um, we see the um, what else? Uh, oh yeah, we see um, the what was artist and oh yeah, that's the doctor, uh, the most recent owner of the bed. Uh, mm-hmm. before what we're seeing now, apparently, and this was hinted at in a line by Diane earlier when she was talking about the realtor, uh, apparently the most recent owner who we see is a gangster who in this clip, it's this, like, he's not played like a stereotypical gangster. He's just some guy with like a really like fancy curly mustache. Who's like him and his lackey are hiding out in the, uh, in the, in the place. And they're sitting on the bed playing cards. And suddenly the, uh, his, 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 his lackey is, uh, starting to get sucked into the bed he pulls out his his pistol and kind of like they're they're both like not screaming or anything they're just kind of like looking at it and being like ah what's happening and he shoots the bed with the pistol um (laughs) the lackey gets sucked into the bed the gangster grabs the pistol tries to shoot the bed to no avail and he very like nonchalantly just goes ah i'm being eaten alive like he just very matter of fact like says it to himself um what good for him for being able to keep his cool yeah i guess sure uh, pa- painting guy, we finally get his backstory, which, uh, surprising enough, the painting guy was a painter, uh, and he was laying in the bed, dying of, as he says, of consumption, uh, hacking up a lung in the <laughs> does bed. He cough, does he cough blood into a tissue? Yeah, basically, yeah. Nice. Uh, so he was in the bed, and he was, like, an artist, and he was, like, he decided that his last, uh, piece as he lay dying in the bed would be a painting of the bed the painting he's now stuck in because when the bed absorbed him, the bed decided not to eat him. Um, Maybe the, the, the painter doesn't really know. He says, maybe because I was sick and the bed didn't want, you know, to, to catch whatever, you know, my consumption. So instead of eating him, the bed trapped him in his own painting of the bed uh, in this kind of liminal limbo space in his own painting. Um, That's very nice of the bed. So, so now, now the, uh, so, you know, these are all past victims but you know none seem to fit or or still we're still we're trying to figure out why the bed is averse to Sharon uh, touching it um so right. f- 
all he's gone through all of these including himself so the painting guy is like well maybe it's uh it's uh has to do with with your creator and your origins you know so we've already got all these backstories about other people who've died in the bed but now we're going to get into some serious uh deathbed lore here so see this is what i was waiting on yeah so buckle up so okay so the he start the painting guy starts with saying so there was a demon hiding inside a tree I guess somewhere nearby this estate. Um, and so uh, this demon hiding in a tree, quote, turned into the breeze. Uh, and as he was the breeze, this demon passed by a girl uh, who uh, was like standing nearby the lake or the pond on the estate. Um, and immediately the demon was like struck and smitten by this girl and he wanted her. And so the demon um created the bed like conjured the bed up and turned himself into a human form to have sex with this lady um and he, so he turned himself hmm. into a human form but as the uh, as the painter guy says uh he looked completely human except his eyes which quote demon eyes are always filled with blood <laughs> And so he's like, he's this like human looking guy, you know, like, you know, 17th century looking clothes, except he's got red eyes. And so he, he had, he, he, he did all this so that, you know, and then the girl came to the bed and to him and he had sex with the girl, but apparently you know, the painter guy says like, but he still had, you know, he was still a demon and had the power of a demon. So I guess it's like, it's implied that like he, he was still too powerful and he like basically like fucked the girl to death. Uh, because he was, like, oh, all been there. too powerful. Yeah, I guess so. And so, like, this, like, caused the demon, like, uh, to, to be in anguish, and he flees, uh, but not before crying tears of blood, which drop onto the bed. Um, and because the demon, so the demon flees, but because he cried these tears of blood, that caused the bed um, to become alive. Um, and so now the bed is alive, uh, and because of the demon's blood tears caused by him accidentally killing the girl he fucked, which he made the bed at first place for. So I guess the bed was just like an inanimate object. These blood tears have made it be alive and kind of be its own demonic thing. Um, and it also mentions how now the demon, you know, still sleeps in his tree. Uh, every, t yeah, every 10 years, the demon falls asleep. And in his dreams, it's like the bed and the demon, like, do, like, psychic battle with each other uh it, when the demon is asleep and like that's the only time when the bed is like too its power is weakened because it's preoccupied with like battling the demon in the dreamscape and so like uh the bed has less power then i guess you got all that you got all that bud um yeah sure you you, you taking notes okay um so, uh, the girl that the demon fucked to death, uh, never decays in her grave. And so that's the shot we saw earlier of the girl inside a casket who seems completely un, you know, decomposed. Um, and the painting guy finally puts it together that the reason the bed doesn't like Sharon is because, uh, Sharon shares the same eyes with the girl that the demon killed. So I guess like Sharon, it's kind of hinted, like I guess Sharon's like the, the like reincarnation, so to speak, uh, in some way or another of this dead girl. And so because, you know, the bed's obviously connected to that whole situation, 
Sharon is like, you know, remind, you know, basically her, her, she was reminding the bed of, of the dead girl. But thankfully, now that the bed knows, um, why Sharon was causing it to bleed, it can eat her. So I guess all it had to do was figure out why, uh, now it has. And so now it can eat Sharon. So that's that. Okay. Sure. All right. <laughs> so uh, we'll come back to crazy lore towards the end. So, but for now, back to events of the the people who are still alive. So, um, they still can't find, obviously, uh, Susan because she's dead, uh, eaten by the deathbed and buried right, underground. Right. Um, but because they can't find her, they decide Sharon is going to take the car into town to look to see if Susan somehow walked back or something while Diane stays behind. Um, and so now we get the third title card dinner, of course. Um, and so we cut Sharon. It's a little later. Uh, the sun is set. Um, Sher- sun or sun is setting. It's kind of dusk. Sharon's in the car has broken down on the side of the road. Um, and so she starts walking her walk back to the house. Meanwhile, at the house, uh, Diane's kind of uh, uh, chilling out in the in the room, and she's on the bed smoking. And uh, painting guy is like, "Oh wow, tobacco! I haven't smoked in seventy years." Um, and uh, so me also like so the 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 guy in the in the painting guy is played by that D- Dave Marsh rock critic guy. Uh, voiced by someone else in the voiceover, apparently. But he, he very much gives me, like, David Bowie, like, thin white Duke vibes. Because he's dressed in, like, you know, like a, 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 a like a, a vest with, like, a white shirt. And he's kind of got that, like, you know, thin, ghastly guy from the 1700s vibe. Or 1800s, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So... Like a... Like a, like a... Like a Charles Dickens character. Sort yeah, yeah, sort of. Uh, sort of in that way, he's kind of like David. Reminds me of David Bowie for some reason. I love that. So meanwhile, so yeah, Di- D- Diane, um, smoking in the bed, she falls asleep and she dreams of Susan, um, and like she dreams she's in the room and but Susan's suddenly there and she talks to Susan and Susan is like basically tells her in this dream, oh yeah, we're dead, um. Uh, and this kind of causes Diane to try to wake up, but it's a bit too late because the bed is already in the process of eating her. However, Diane tries and is able to drag herself out of the bed, drag her legs out of the bed, um, as, even though they've started to be you know, sucked into the bed. Uh, Diane drags herself out of the bed. Um, however, her legs are completely you know, bloody and like limp. So she's basically dragging herself on her arms. Don't worry, it's not very graphic. Basically, what I say when I say bl- her legs are bloody, it looks like they just dumped a bunch of red paint on her jeans. It's like I don't oh, know how yeah. the blood got on the outside of the jeans, but apparently like it when, did. Um, it's like whenever Peta like throws red paint on people with yeah, clothes. yeah. Like I don't know if the bed is like eating her. How did the blood get on the outside? Like how did the jeans not dissolve first? But who, who cares? So Diane, with her bloody jeans, drags herself out, um, and she tries to crawl out of the cellar, but as she does, the kind of bed with its, you know, magic telekinesis-type powers drags her back towards it, um, and right as Sharon arrives back in the cellar, 
Um, she tries to grab onto Diane and pull her back. However, the bed is too strong and sucks Diane into it and uh, eats her. And we get a really cool shot. I guess they got some sort of like animal heart, like a pig heart or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we get a cool shot of that in the like acid or whatever bubbling, um, you know, implied to be Diane's heart. Oh, I love that. Uh, the brother finally arrives uh, in, at the estate and comes into the cellar, finds his sister, Sharon. Um, however, uh, the bed, randomly, I guess, just to fuck with them, we get this weird part where the bed causes eyeballs, I guess, from the people it's eaten to, like, rise back up out of the bed and, like, just, like, roll around, and then it sucks them back in. <laughs> I, I think it's just, some, I think it just wanted to fuck with them. Seems uh, like a gag, yeah. Seems like a little yeah. bit. So the uh, the brother and Sharon want to leave. However, they go to the door and it's locked. Obviously, the bed has locked the door. The brother's like, "All right, that's enough. I'm 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 gonna try to do something." Uh, and he takes the knife from like their picnic stuff. He holds it with both hands, and he tries to stab the bed. He goes to the bed, and as he stabs it, the bed causes his hands to sink in. And no. so like his his hands are in the bed, and the sister's trying to pull them out. Obviously, the uh, the bed is eating his hands. We Please cut. Tell me, he pulls out skeleton hands. We cut. We we cut into the into the bed's like digestive fluid, and it's like his hands his hands in there, and we see like it cuts and cuts back, and his hands are like dissolving. And finally, when they are able to pull out uh, his hands, and he falls back, and he pulls up his hands and looks at them. It's literally exactly like you just said. Literally, just two skeleton hands coming out from his sleeves. <laughs> Coming out from the oh. sleeves of his jean jacket are literally just two completely bare, white, oh, skeleton man. hands. Oh, yeah. That's the and he stuff. just kind of, he's not, he doesn't even look, like, scared or anything. He just looks kind of confounded looking at his, like, skeleton hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, uh, it, it implies that time has passed, and, like, the brother is literally just kind of sitting there, like, moving his arm like looking at his ridiculously goofy looking skeleton hands um which are starting to fall apart like piece by piece he's like oh no the cartilage holding it together is breaking down and so now like the individual little finger bones are like starting to fall and hit the floor and so he's like sharon just you have to like break them off uh and so sharon's like okay so she's just like kind of like cracks the hands off of his arms oh jesus but, like, obviously it's just, like, you know, it, 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 I guess he didn't feel anything because it's just the bone. Yeah, the so she just pops the pops the hands off it. And then she, like, it just for, I guess for some reason, decides to throw them in the fireplace in the fire. Uh, his skeleton Man, hands. I kept that shit. Um, let's see. Uh, so then all of a sudden we hear from the painting guy. He's like, oh, wow, the demon, it's gone into its sleep. Now the bed is uh, is preoccupied fighting the demon in the dreamscape. So because of that, I can I can communicate outside of uh, this painting. And so like the painting guy, because of the bed is weakened and distracted, the painting guy is like able to telepathically communicate with Sharon. Okay. Um, and basically, uh, he's he causes Sharon. He he. Well, first we get a we get a the final title card. Uh, the quote, the just desserts. <laughs> and so, uh, painting guy telepathically calls Sharon over, um, and basically starts instructing her on what to do so that they can destroy the bed. Um, first Sharon ha- ha- takes her brother outside 
and like sets him, you know, outside on the ground, uh, propped up against a rock because he's basically, you know, in shock from his hands. He's sure. not of use and to get him out of the room. So he's safe. Um, then um, she has to uh, cut a circle of blood around the bed in the room by like stabbing the ground. So she stabs the ground around the bed, causing like blood to seep up out of the ground. Oh, perfect. Of course. Uh, and so she does that. And so there's like these magic, like intersecting rings on the ground. And then she has to get one of the brothers fing- b- uh, finger bones from the fire. Uh, and as well as a piece of Diane's hair. And she uses those to connect the blood circles of the bed with these circles of wood and stick uh, that she made outside where near where the brother is. Mm-hmm. So by combining the power of these magic blood circles connected with the hair and finger, that causes the bed to teleport outside um, uh, to the wood circles. So now the bed is out of the cellar. And the painting guy is like, I'm sorry, Sharon, I misled you. Um, you cannot escape this room now. You're stuck here. And so I, I guess she's, I guess Sharon's dead. We never really get a clear answer because, like, I guess Sharon's trapped in this room forever now. But because Sharon's, like, dead, that causes the dead lady with the same eyes as Sharon from the, the demon fucked uh, to death, that causes her to, like, come back alive. And so oh. she comes out of her grave. Um, she rises from her grave naked, um, and she goes to where the brother and the bed are, and her and the brother fuck, like, right at the wood circle, right in front of the bed outside, and, uh, for some reason, uh, that causes the bed to burst into flames, and that also, the bed bursting into flames destroys the bed's power, therefore releasing the painting guy from his limbo space to death question mark it's not exactly clear he's released from the painting to something i guess death uh and thus the bed is on fire and destroyed via crazy magic circle witch thing i mean that makes perfect sense like the the end i don't i don't know why they didn't do that from the beginning you know well the they answer didn't, was right in front of they the didn't know to well, That's I felt pretty obvious. Painting, me, you know. painting guy had to wait until the bed's consciousness was doing psychic battle with the demon's consciousness inside right. of the dreamscape when the demon falls asleep every ten years. So then it could tell. Then the painting guy would be able to telepathically communicate with the person that was there and tell them to make the magic circles and to raise the lady who was fucked on the bed to death from the the grave yeah like i said pretty self-explanatory i think yeah So Austin, that was that was Deathbed. What did you think? Um, 
I feel like a better person after having heard that. You feel like you have a solid grasp of the lore of Deathbed now that I've explained it. Uh, of all of its it solid all grasp. of its tree demons and and uh, uh, psychic battles and magic blood and wood circles and painting limbo spaces. Yeah, I don't know if I'd I'd say I have a solid grasp, but I have a grasp. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so yeah, I like I said, never going into this did I expect it to have such like sort of like surrealist sort of like almost like abstract like experimental almost type lore but uh you know what i I gotta say austin i thought this movie it's very much like a sleazy you know horror b movie but i'll give it credit at least it's like trying to do like some weird like experimental shit like it's not just i think it wants to be more than it is yeah which i respect that like makes me almost wish that uh what's his name um gary uh george barry george barry had like you know been able to make more movies because like you know yeah. who knows maybe could have done some even more cool like experimental give some money give horror. him a budget maybe he'd do something cool yeah um so i mean i think it's admirable admirable in that you know it's kind of you know fulfilling the kind of sleazy uh you know b-movie fair that people would you know come to the theater to see obviously they didn't in this case because it was never released until 2001 or whatever uh but like it's it's admirable that he tried to do this like audience pleasing b-movie that also had all this weird like kind of mystical lore behind it uh which i found interesting like you know just like you know it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense and isn't very clear and is a little bit ridiculous uh you know especially for a movie that's about a fucking bed that eats people but it's interesting and i found it entertaining and how ridiculous and bizarre it is yeah and that's all i can ask for is a movie to be you know original and and weird and entertaining and entertaining which you know there were some times at this where it was a little slow and dragged uh kind of in the middle but you know that's kind of par for the course of 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 b horror movies it's not it's pretty common to have a have a bit of a slowness but you know it's not overly long it's like an hour and 17 minutes so you know it's not like super long it 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 fairly keeps the pace fairly quick um so yeah i mean i i enjoyed it and all its weird lore and you know it has some fun footage of things dissolving in acid uh love to see that and it's a bit you know it not not a whole lot of gore but uh i do really i did enjoy it's kind of ridiculous low budget gore almost like the skeleton with hair on it and the obviously that guy pulling his hands out and his hands being just completely skeletal bones without it's it's hilarious you have to see that scene to to believe it it's very funny it reminds me of a good song called the man with the skeleton arms I can't. I I've gotta imagine that that uh, George Barry like. I feel like it was almost. I feel like that has to be tongue in cheek because the way it looks and the way it plays is just so ridiculous with the skeleton I would have hands. To imagine. And I mean, it is. It's it, whether or not it was intentional. Uh, it, it definitely is. It plays is very funny. So if it is good, good on him because he. Uh, it's very funny. Um, so yeah, that's Deathbed. Any 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 thoughts? Final thoughts on your end? Uh, no, but now I want to watch that and Rubber, because I haven't seen either, but I feel like they need to be watched together at this point. Well, I was considering doing Rubber, 
um, at some point for an episode. Ooh, word. But if you'd rather just watch it yourself, that's fine too. We um, could also do a speed racer type episode. That's true, where we it. both watch it. And I've never watched it before, so it'd be completely um, both of us uh, for the first time. So, yeah, but uh, anyway, that's Deathbed. I'd say it'd be a fun movie if you're having, like, friends over and you want to watch, like, a crazy, weird, bad movie. Uh, Deathbed certainly wouldn't be uh, too bad a choice. It, it would work for that. Hey, well, that's pretty high praise, I'd say. Yeah. So just watch watch where you are taking a nap. Make sure that it's not a deathbed. Make sure it's a purple mattress. <laughs> not sponsored. I don't yeah. like it. I don't okay. like that one. Yeah, I don't need you to. Well, that was that was the today's movie. That was Deathbed. Uh, Austin. Um, yes, Peyton. I don't know any random thoughts about anything to finish out the show. Um. Hmm. No. Um. This is completely unrelated to everything, but uh, I don't know why, but I've had this, I heard this song once, months ago, and I've had it stuck in my head ever since. You're aware of the artist um, Van Morrison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made, like, the classic uh, hit songs back in the... Brown Eyed Girl? Brown Eyed Girl back in the... I don't know when would that when did he make that like the sixties? I don't fucking know. Uh, Brown Eyed Girl sixty seven, wow. very famous for that Moon Dance. He's actually Irish. Did you know that? No. Yeah, he's Irish. Anyway, that's all unrelated though. Uh, Northern Irish, not not the good one. The the one that's part of Britain. Uh, so just FYI, that kind yeah, of tracks because yeah. he's a shitty person. For instance, specifically, uh, back like. Uh, almost a year ago i think like eight months eight months ago according to this it was when this video was uploaded but i don't know when it's not an official he released a song amidst you know covid and lockdown he he's he's of recent years apparently has been very active on like facebook and stuff he's very much a uh, a right-wing conservative type guy and oh. specifically among covid he was very vocally anti-mask and anti-lockdown oh. oh no and he released a song uh, like uh, last year sometime called no more lockdown oh god and i've literally uh, the only lyric i remember from it is him just being like no more lockdown yeah yeah no more lockdown you're oppressing us and it's just like the shitty like old he's like so old at this point oh, just like god. fucking shitty like recorded on his fucking macbook garage band with a fucking computer mic shitty song about lockdown that i have i heard once and it's been that just that no more lockdown oh, has been geez. stuck in my head ever since so i wanted to i have it pulled up on my phone here 
Uh, I just wanted to play a bit of uh, of of No More Lockdown and 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 get. I want to I want to rehear it and see if my memory of it and what's been stuck in my head is even close to what it actually sounds like, or if I've just made up my own version in my head. And I want to get your uh, your your reaction to it as well. Yes, please. Sound like he's yeah, a little bit. Like four drinks in. I want to get to that chorus again. Piano riff just over and over. It's like a fucking loop in Garage Band. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. Dun 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 Musically, not great. Just over and over. It never changes. So the music is like a loop of the same like one bar one measure like instrument you know instrumental just over and over for Man. four minutes and 59 seconds five fucking minutes of that but no more lockdown don't tell me to put on a mask it's oppressing me i'm oppressed because you told me to not get other people sick what a fucking Jesus, what a, fucking what a dip shit you know, let's read some great art, some great comments from the uh, the comments of this YouTube upload of it. Uh, this is what we need: voices like Van Morrison and Eric Clapton bringing our courage back. Uh, Eric Clapton, of course, uh, famous for uh, horribly. Have you ever heard? Have you ever read Eric Clapton's racist triad he gave when he was doing a show in England one time? Oh God, no. Yeah, he he, he goes on for like a long time yelling about like immigrants and and not letting you know, non-white people into Britain and like, we got to take back England for ourselves. Eric Clapton was a real shithead. Of course, also his child died because he was too busy getting high off Coke and his, and his kid fell out of a window. You know that? No. His, his child died by falling out of like an apartment window because he was too distracted doing blow and shit that his child literally fell out of fucking window and died like a, like a toddler. Oh my God. Uh, so yeah, the, the, that's what uh, gets uh, 2006. We need more voices like Van Morrison and Eric Clapton. Uh, one of the few artists that dare to tell the truth about what's going on. God bless you, Van. Uh, oh, what an idiot. That's great. Um, what else? What else do we have here? Uh, replies to this. Uh, well, there's another one talking about Eric Clapton and Van Morrison. Um, someone's, wow, he sounds as good as ever. Uh, remind you, this is what they're talking about. No more lockdown. No more pulling the wool over our eyes. <laughs> He's like not even trying to, like, no more lockdown. I really don't want to be in this lockdown anymore. Please stop it. Over and over, same piano riff. Uh, 
Good to hear some relevant 2020 music for a change. Stuff on the radio seems so disconnected from dash well, comma, everything. Uh, let's see what else. What else? Um, uh, let's see. He still sounds as good as he did in 1968. No, I disagree with that. Disagree. Um, uh, we have anything? Let me see. Any any final things? Uh, true definition of courage is to guts to go against your peers, the against the creepy establishment of Orwellian lefties. Van, oh thank you. I imagine the creeps at YouTube will find a way to make you disappear. Uh. It is literally wearing a mask is like 1984, Austin. Apparently. Uh, no more lockdown. Uh, uh, let me see. Freedom is more important than, in parentheses, the illusion of security. Uh, for that person, I'd, I'd recommend, if you're from America, are you aware of uh, the Patriot Act? Oh, God. <laughs> because uh, that's causing – that's nothing but the illusion of security, and it's definitely taking away a lot of your <laughs> privacy and freedoms. Dude, the fact that the Patriot Act is an acronym is the funniest shit to me. Yeah. That's very good. Have we talked about this? Uh, not on the show. It's, well, it's, um, because the full name is the USA Patriot Act. Uh Uh-huh. And is the uniting and strengthening America by providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct terrorism. It's so ridiculously long. Oh, God, it kills me. Is, I think it's so funny. Can Van Morrison do a song about... Well, he's Irish, he's Northern Irish, but maybe he can do a song about the Patriot Act. No more Patriot Act. Well, I guess that's... That, I, I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, I think so. Fuck Van Morrison. Fuck Van Morrison and his shitty Garage Band Loop No More I'm Lockdown fight song. Van Morrison. He's like... 70 or something so care. you'll well no i'm just saying you'll definitely win uh and i'm fine with that uh so i'm gonna pull up my address is 1400 pennsylvania avenue yep uh how many times have i made that joke on the show i don't know at least one or two times it's before. been a couple anyway thanks for listening to today's show i hope you check out deathbed if you like it and we'll see you next week uh, for now, though, uh, Van, Van, will you play us out, Van? No more lockdown, no more government overreach. No more fascist police disturbing our peace. No more taking of our freedom And our God-given rights Pretending it's for our safety When it's really too enslaved Who's running our country? Who's running our world? Examine it